Hello and welcome to With a Side of Crime. I'm your host, Caitlin. Welcome back. Thank you for joining. Um, If this is your first time joining, thank you for being here. This is a podcast where I like to highlight people of color and black individuals who have been murdered or have gone missing because their cases just don't get as much media spotlight as their white counterparts. But before I get into today's episode, I would like to very humbly ask, um, wherever you listen to your podcast at, if you could leave a rating, a review, it is the best way to get the word out about the podcast, and this is something that is very near and dear to me. But also, if you have comments, suggestions, concerns, or constructive criticism or positive feedback, um, you can definitely DM me on Instagram. You can find us there at With a Side of Crime. But let's get into this week's episode. This is the story of a young black man who went missing in California and his case was just botched from the start. This is the story of Jonathan Bandabaya. In May of 2019, Jonathan's family pleaded with the Oakland PD to open an investigation into their missing son. He had been missing for three weeks at the time. He's a shy, yet sensitive, but very funny. Jonathan likes to smile. Anybody can see him in his picture, always smiling. Jonathan was a really avid soccer player. Oh, yes, yes, a very good soccer player. So that's where he was going when he went missing. It was almost around four in the evening. Jonathan has called me to his room, and then he's taking his duffel bag. I said, what is it, Jonathan? He said, no, mommy, I have to go now. He said, I'm running late. When I get back, we'll talk. And uh, he was supposed to call me on Mother's Day. Jonathan said he was heading to Los Angeles for a big soccer tournament, and Isada thought she would hear whatever Jonathan had to tell her afterwards. However, his call never came. So that's when my heart started pounding, would be to call the police. Police say Jonathan's car was found the next day on a bridge heading westbound, which was concerning as Jonathan was supposed to be heading south to L.A. The car was just abandoned there. His belongings were his still His belongings, in the car. everything in the car, but no Jonathan. Investigators found surveillance of Jonathan's car entering the bridge just after 1 a.m., but it's unclear who was in it. What did the police department eventually tell you they suspected? The officer that was working with us first told us he might be suicide. I said, no, I absolutely refuse to believe that. I know my son. Jonathan's family believes something terrible happened to him when he left that day and pleaded with authorities to process his car for evidence. However, his family says it took them several weeks and they fear key evidence was lost or ruined during that time, which is why they're asking for the public's help. We will do anything, anything, just to get Jonathan back home. We just want closure. We just want to know what happened to him. So if you know anything, I'm begging you in the name of Jesus to help us. Such a handsome young man and a beautiful family. If you have any information, we do hope you'll come forward. There is currently a $10,000 reward, but Fala has added another $5,000 to that. The Oakland Police Department says this is still ongoing, and anyone with information should contact the Missing Persons Unit at 510-238-3641. 
It was a Friday morning when Jonathan decided that he was going to go to Los Angeles for a soccer tournament. As you heard his mother say, he was a very avid soccer player. He really loved it. He told his family that he would call them on Sunday. Well, Sunday came and his call didn't come. Jonathan's family started to call around to see if maybe he was arrested for some reason or if he had been injured and was in the hospital. And once they confirmed he wasn't detained or hospitalized, the family filed a missing persons report that Monday at 1 a.m. Jonathan's sister texted him and got an inactive return from his phone. Now, I'm not exactly sure what an inactive return means. I don't know if it was like the out-of-service text that you'll get. I don't know exactly what's th- what that means. Um, perhaps they were using WhatsApp, and that'll show whenever you're offline or inactive, but there was no further um, details as to what that meant. So when Tuesday came around, Jonathan's car, which was a 1998 Silver Honda Accord, was found by the San Mateo Bridge. California Highway Patrol received several phone calls of a vehicle without hazard lights that was blocking the slow lane with a person standing outside of the vehicle. Now, people were saying this person was said to be standing on the guardrail overlooking the bay, and these calls were all placed within minutes of each other. Well, within 20 minutes, California Highway Patrol went out and very quickly closed the call and just wrote the car off as an abandoned vehicle. California Highway Patrol did not take into consideration the person that was reported standing outside of the vehicle. An officer did check the rest of the lanes but didn't find anything. I'm not sure exactly what they were looking for in the rest of the lanes um, because there were reports of a person. But there's no evidence um, on either side of the bridge. Security footage didn't show anyone walking off of the bridge in either direction either, but the family later found out that the footage was limited, and there's also no explanation as to what this means. Um, It could mean that the footage stops at a certain angle and you can't see the rest of the way. It could mean that every so often the footage records over itself. There's no details explaining that. But within an hour, the car was towed and there was no more thought given to the person who was reported to have been seen with the vehicle. There was video footage of Jonathan's car passing through a toll booth. However, one of the detectives on the case did say that ownership documents with Jonathan's name on them for the car were in the glove compartment. A few weeks later, Jonathan's passport was also recovered from the car, as well as his soccer gear and some formal clothing that he planned on wearing to an event at some point that weekend. For whatever reason, Highway Patrol didn't search the car whenever they arrived on the scene, and as I mentioned, it took weeks to find this identifying um, information in Jonathan's car. California Highway Patrol did cost this case precious time, but so did Oakland PD. It seemed that the missing persons report wasn't assigned for a few days. So once once the report came in, nobody had had hands on it for a few days. And if you're a true crime fan, you know that the first 48 hours of a case are the most important and crucial to finding out what happened to this person, where they went, etc. The family had to plead for city council intercession in the investigation weeks after Jonathan went missing. 
but the most crucial time to find him had already passed. Those first 48 hours were long gone. Jonathan's family called the police department, but they just weren't getting the answers that they needed from them if they were getting any answers at all. Now, Jonathan's sister, Sia, believes that had Jonathan been white, this case would have gotten the proper attention, which is something that you see quite often when it comes to cases like this in the media. The case did have a very slow start. It took two days for the case to reach the missing persons unit. And the family seemed like there was a lot of apathy around the case. Um, It seemed like the police were just ready to rule Jonathan's case as a suicide and close it out and not look any further into it. Um, One of the investigators was very shocked at this because there were so many unanswered questions and it seemed like Oakland PD just didn't want to find the answers to them. They were just willing to write this case off and move on to the next one. Harrison did say that negligence was very evident in this case from the very first day. May 4th, 2019, California Highway Patrol received several 911 calls reporting a stalled vehicle blocking traffic in the slow lane on the San Mateo Bridge. With no vehicle registration or signs of the driver, the abandoned 1998 Silver Honda Accord was impounded. 25 miles away, Susan Banda Bela was looking forward to hearing about her brother Jonathan's weekend, how his soccer team did at a tournament, and if he had fun at a school dance. When he didn't come home or respond to her texts, she started to worry and called police. They quickly pieced together that the abandoned car found on the bridge belonged to Jonathan and immediately turned to the community for help. Police suspected suicide and sent divers and helicopters searching, but found no signs of Jonathan. Every time I come forth to speak about this situation, I try so hard to stand still, stand tall, stand strong, and I can't stay composed. Yet I do know that my brother's out there, and I do 100% feel that he'll come home and we'll find him. And joining us from their home in Oakland, please welcome the Bandabela family. Um, thank you for being with us. Please know that um, our thoughts are with you, our hearts are with you, and today this show is with you to try and help find the answers that you want. Um, Isada, it's been more than, what's 500 days now since you last saw Jonathan, your child, I'm sure that feels like an eternity. I cannot imagine. When he left, he kissed you on your forehead and he told you that he wanted to talk when he returned. Did that last moment seem significant or was it just the routine goodbye and I'll see you a bit later? Just the routine goodbye and I'll see you later, exactly. And I was looking forward to him coming home because he's taking these trips trips like this many, many times before. And I always look forward to him coming home. So I was expecting to see him on that uh, Monday evening when he said he'll be home. So when I did see him, you know, I just knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. I was expecting him. He said, I'll be back. I'll be back. Harrison, I'm looking above 
your family, all of these pictures. I mean, that is the story of the family. That is family. I see all of these images. And it reminds me of everything that I've read about your family and the close ties that you've shared. Um, you and your family at this point feel that law enforcement in Oakland did not act soon enough. We talk about the abandoned car being found on the bridge. You believe that there were 10 days, 10 critical days that could have made a difference here? Of course, 100 um, percent. They didn't show that sense of urgency to a life or to pretty much to do their job, which is look for this missing person. And they just had complete negligence as to what was going on. And from that time to now, we just feel like they're just backtracking, trying to cover up most likely their mistakes that they've done. And the most critical time is the first 72 hours. And they didn't do anything. And that's what they just wanted to present to us, that it was a possible suicide with no evidence to provide to show that. Harrison, is the focus right now on where the car was last seen? Or has there been any other information that's come in over this time of Jonathan sighted somewhere else? Is the center of everything where the car was found? Right now, since from day one, it's been pretty much centered around where the car was found. And they've just been doing searches in the water ever since. Um, but since they've been doing their searches in the water, they haven't found anything to, um, to pretty much relate back to Jonathan or where he can be. Um, so pretty much the only thing they've done is they pinged his phone and his last location was around Hayward area. Um, and, but that was around close to that bridge. Um, now that bridge not, is, exit that bridge, bridge is the San, what, what is the name of the bridge again? San Mateo Bridge. San Mateo Bridge, that's what I thought. So the San Mateo Bridge is where the vehicle was last seen. We are in New York where there are cameras everywhere. Has there been any information that's come in through surveillance camera or someone's iPhone, Sia, anything like that? No. So no um, surveillance has come through. Um, and that was one of the biggest issues we had. We thought that, you know, we would know who was in Jonathan's car or if it was Jonathan who was in that car when we found out it was on San Mateo Bridge. But come to find out, the cameras on the San Mateo Bridge are not working. Um, so we've contacted CHP, um, but to no prevail, we've gotten nowhere. And no one has come forward with any evidence or any pictures or videos on their phone or any other um, technology. To hear your love for your son, but most important, what you deserve as a family are the answers. And we're hoping that people who are watching, if you, and we'll have this information on our website, we will give the details, the location, the description of the vehicle, where it was last seen. You never know what you may have witnessed, and this might trigger your memory. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Please know that we are with you, we are praying for you, and we're praying for Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And everybody on the show. Thank you. So the missing persons unit received the VIN number for Jonathan's car from where they tracked it to the um, California Highway Patrol impound on the San Mateo Bridge. On May 10th, the family was made aware that Jonathan's car was found. However, even after they tracked the vehicle, the investigators still weren't aware of the 911 calls that were initially made to CHP. 
Oakland PD later told the family that a helicopter search of the area around the bridge was conducted on May 13th, and the search resulted in nothing, unfortunately. On May 14th, the Alameda Marine Unit searched the unit searched the area under the bridge, which again turned up nothing. So at this point, that's 10 days that Jonathan has been missing. As previously mentioned, the police were sure that Jonathan had committed suicide, but his family just simply wasn't buying that. Jonathan had a near-death experience months before this. He contracted malaria on a trip to Sierra Leone in December of 2018. The family was in a remote area where the only place available was a rural clinic, meaning that they probably weren't equipped to handle something like this. Once the doctors were able to transport Jonathan to a larger facility, they ran into other issues. The doctors at that facility were on strike and the hospital was severely understaffed. His situation was touch and go. Um, And then when it seemed like he was finally recovering, he relapsed and got sick again, but eventually made it through this battle with malaria, which is why Jonathan's family just wasn't convinced of a suicide. Jonathan's brother, Harrison, said that Jonathan didn't display any signs of mental illness or depression and was extremely happy. But if you have suffered with mental illness, you know that sometimes you can just put on this front so that other people don't see how bad it is. I'm not saying that that is what happened in this case. I'm just saying that that is a thing that happens. So with no evidence that Jonathan killed himself... Oakland PD failed to use their resources to pursue other leads because they just wanted to leave it at that. Investigators obtained cell phone records, but they couldn't interpret them, which rendered them useless. Oakland Oakland PD also didn't take the 911 callers as serious witnesses, and they didn't preserve the 911 calls, which were purged in accordance with the California Highway Patrol guidelines. So that is potentially valuable evidence that they just let slip away. Oakland PD also made poor use of the one piece of evidence that they did have, which was Jonathan's car. According to one of the volunteers that helped Jonathan's family, Conversations with the company that towed his car were of no interest to the police, so they didn't talk to the tow company. They never even took custody of the car to search for blood, hair fibers, any of that. Oakland PD told the tow lot that Jonathan's family didn't want the vehicle and that they could sell the car. Jonathan's sister Sia says that this isn't true. She said her family was told it would cost thousands of dollars to reclaim the car. Sia also said that police chief Ann Kirkpatrick said in front of multiple people that she would cover the cost to get the vehicle back, but she never followed through and did that. When the family called to follow up on Jonathan's vehicle, the owner of the tow company told them that his car had already been sold. Despite all of their shortcomings, The family didn't want to completely pile the blame on the Oakland PD investigators. They are well aware that they were understaffed and flooding with missing persons cases in Oakland. The investigators revealed that they had hundreds of missing cases between them. 
which would make sense why they just wanted to close cases without digging too much into them. Jonathan's family suspected that there were other factors at play aside from just understaffed. Harrison recalled thinking that he didn't want to deal with Oakland PD because he grew up in Oakland and he knew that it would be a struggle. He arrived from playing basketball in Spain several days after the investigation began and could tell that the family wasn't being treated properly. He felt that the police were giving his parents the runaround because they weren't from the U.S. and I guess he felt like the police thought they could get over on them because they were immigrants. Sia felt similarly. She felt a lot of the apathy surrounding Jonathan's case was due to institutional racism. She felt that in their eyes, they weren't looking for a human being. They were just looking for another missing black person. Oakland PD's missing person statistics actually support these thoughts they were having. 60% of the missing persons units, 88 open cases are black people, despite them only being 23% of Oakland's population. These statistics are very similar across the country. 30% of missing persons nationally are black or non-white people. Police tend to treat them like runaways and rarely conduct a physical search or ask for federal help. A local organizer and advocate for the family wondered whether there would be a different response had Jonathan not been a black man, again, and also from an immigrant family. And to make things worse, Oakland PD has no standard procedure for using social media in a missing persons case. There have been cases where Oakland PD has used social media in a timely manner, but unfortunately that did not happen in Jonathan's case. After the search of the water yielded nothing and the family refused to accept a suicide ruling without an investigation, they began to notice more and more disinterest in Jonathan's case. Weeks after his disappearance and continued disinterest, the family took their case to other powers. Jonathan was very, very close with his mother. At a press conference in 2019, Oakland Police Chief Ann Kirkpatrick said that she believed someone had information and urged community partners to reach out if they knew anything. And some of the leads they received led her to believe that there was more to the story to be told. The family held a vigil for Jonathan. There was no representation from Oakland PD at that vigil. Oakland PD also did not alert the media and I, there's no um, information about whether or not Jonathan's family was able to or even knew how to alert the media in a situation like this. Oakland PD didn't post anything about him on social media until six weeks after his disappearance. The family held a news conference in which they practically begged for an intervention in the investigation to Jonathan's disappearance. Harrison said that their mother constantly cries and she just wants answers about what happened. The family couldn't think of any reason as to why he would just disappear on purpose, and by all accounts, he had plans for the future. Harrison described his brother as an amazing person, someone you'd remember, very loving, caring, and athletic. 
He said his brother was like a human jukebox and he was always playing music. He was just someone who was just so full of joy in life. Even with the uncertainty surrounding the case, the family holds on to hope. Harrison said that Jonathan is loved and dearly missed. He believes his brother is out there and he has faith that he'll come home one day. Police Chief Ann Kirkpatrick said that she has gotten to know the family and that they're wonderful people and that she will continue to stick beside them. She made it very clear that the department wasn't closing the case and they would find out what happened to Jonathan. Deputy Chief Oliver Cunningham said that investigators had decent leads on the case, but they didn't want to give away too much information. The deputy chief also said that they were looking at every pathway that they could. Months after Jonathan disappeared, the family began to attend police commission meetings, and that finally got some traction in the case. So after attending the meeting for weeks, the family met with Oakland PD's PIO, Johanna Watson, who was attending the meeting to give an update on Oakland PD's social media work and policies. Watson did make contact with the family, and Oakland PD eventually held a press conference with them, alerting the public of Jonathan's disappearance and finally treating it like an active missing persons case. The press conference held in September of 2019 was the beginning of what the family considered to be a performative PR operation from Oakland PD. But at the time, when it was happening, the conference did give the family hope. Oakland Police Commissioner Ganelle Harris became a liaison for the family with the OPD and began to attend meetings in order to hold the police accountable. The person who was running the investigation at the time wasn't well-liked by the family. He had been evasive and defensive towards them, and he'd also made misleading remarks in regards to the case that were not supported by evidence at all, suggesting that Jonathan had disappeared on his own accord, saying that he could have been playing soccer in Europe, and maybe he was traveling or maybe he just needed some time away. This doesn't check out because Jonathan's passport was in the car and his bank account had been untouched ever since he was last seen. His phone also hadn't pinged since the night he went missing. All this was said at a press conference which ultimately undermined the urgency his family was feeling. Once the person running the investigation retired and acting Deputy Chief Drennan Lindsay stepped up, there was a renewed sense of urgency in the case. For instance, the phone records that were never looked into were suddenly being used. But again, over time, the family began to feel manipulated. It seemed that OPD was just going through the motions of investigating the case. For example, eight months after Jonathan disappeared, there was a public canvassing of the last place where his phone pinged. Because this had happened such a long time ago, they didn't think there would be any evidence left. The family felt that OPD was putting on a performance to save face after a year of failing to investigate or do their jobs properly. The actions of California Highway Patrol and Oakland PD have caused the family emotional distress and turmoil. There is a belief that the water surrounding the bridge had been searched immediately that maybe things would be different. After receiving reports of seeing someone standing on the bridge, 
an immediate search might have changed the family's feelings and maybe even the course of this investigation. Harrison says that if they knew what happened to him, even if it was the worst case scenario, it would still bring peace to the family. It would be painful, but if the worst were to happen, we would know that we can pray on it and know that he's up there safe. Cases of missing black people remain unsolved four times longer than those of white people. Jonathan's case had several missteps. If you know anything about the disappearance of Jonathan Bandabaya, please check out our social media page. We will have the number and the website that you can contact if you know anything. Because like Tamron Hall said, you never know what you may have witnessed. And there you have Jonathan's case. My name is Caitlin. I'm your host of With a Side of Crime. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.